at the risk of sounding too militaristic, and I am far from qualified to delve into, into those matters, I, my encouragement this morning is simple, and that is to remember, to remember exactly the sort of battle that we, as those who have committed our lives to the Lord Jesus, are called to engage in. It's not the battle for our own souls. That battle's been won, right? And so we can fully, fully engage in our minds and our efforts into that which Paul describes in Ephesians 6. You know the passage. That print's a little, little small. I tried to put too much on one, one slide there, but we'll do our best. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So the question is begged, well, what do we do? Paul explains, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. It's easy for us in the various responsibilities, the very activities that we engage in to forget of the battle that Paul describes in Ephesians 6. If you're losing the day-to-day battle with the devil, with the enemy, or as Paul eloquently describes it, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers, spiritual forces of evil, it may be, it may be because we're forgetting that the fight exists. Too often we fail to recognize that the enemy, the enemy is not people on the other side of the political aisle. It's not people who live a lifestyle different than ours in a number of ways. It is not even people with whom we disagree. The opponent, as it has been for all of humanity's existence, is evil incarnate in the form that the Bible calls Satan, the adversary. Douglas MacArthur there on the right with his quote, at least portion of it, highlighted is credited as saying, in war there is no substitute for victory. Good motto for a general, right? 
That is certainly true in our spiritual warfare as well. This war that in another passage, the author who reminds us of the battle said we are more than conquerors. Not through our own cleverness, not through our own effort. That verse continues, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So I just want us to make a good battle plan. Hmm? I want us to think about ways, just very briefly, which we can prepare ourselves, or through which we can, for which we can prepare ourselves for the daily battle that we face. We're all on different fronts of the battle. We all have different forces that, engage in battle against us. But we want to make sure that we are equipped ourselves to win the spiritual war. Prepare for the attack. This is not an easy task when it comes to a battle we can't see. There's no bullets whizzing by our ears. There are no bombs exploding, but the war continues and the battlefronts are numerous. Typically, the enemy attacks the people of God in a couple of places. It could be in the home. Christian marriages fall apart at a record in a way that is almost indistinguishable from our non-Christian counterparts. Christian children raised in the church seem to, for whatever reason, more and more infrequently make a lifelong commitment to the church. Could be in matters of the family and the home. It could be in our own heads. It is sadly so uncommon to hear of accusations of leaders who have moral failings, who become distracted in the work that God has called them to do. When I say that with absolutely no judgment at all, knowing that it is the call of God on each man and woman who stands behind a pulpit to live a life of faithfulness. Each day, we, whether whether in the role of a leader or pastor or otherwise, we are called to face a battle in which we have opportunity to choose right or wrong. The destruction and the advancement of the enemy in our own society is crystal clear. Turn on a newspaper or turn on a TV, open a newspaper, and you'll see it. Story after story where it looks like evil is progressing. Every Christian is called to engage in the battle. There are, there are no deferments. There are no exist, exemptions. There are no conscientious, conscientious objectors for those who are part of the kingdom of God. We're called to the battle. When Paul came to the end of his life, he summarized his efforts for Christ by writing in 2 Timothy, I have fought the good fight. He had done his part. He had engaged in, in, in his 
in his field of battle. C.S. Lewis once said, there is no neutral ground in the, in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is, pla- is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. It is easy for us to take our guard down. It is, it is easy for us to relax. I don't know how many times I've heard even local Kansas City leaders say in regard to the Delta variant, you know, we, we got to get back to the fundamentals what we were doing in the spring and summer of 2020. Wash your hands. Don't get right up in people's faces. Put your mask on, whatever the case may be. Get, get, get sunlight, you know. Get back to the, to the basics. And I was thinking about myself. I have uh, hand sanitizer in my, in my car, and we have it in the van, and I was thinking the other day, oh, maybe I ought to, maybe I ought to use that. Now that I've been out in this store, I'll put some on. Thinking, when's the last time I did that? Oh boy, it is so easy, so easy. Whether it be with COVID nineteen or a more internal, more important, more eternal battle, for us to just kind of relax. And there's another extreme where we can become so so uh, preoccupied with it that we, we just become crazy people. We don't want that. But we don't want to overlook the, the fact that God calls us to be prepared. We also should know our, our adversary. Most any military strategist will tell you that a key element of victory is knowledge of the enemy. In the passage from Ephesians, Paul makes it clear in verse 11 who the enemy is. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Because our enemy is not on a natural plane, because our enemy is not flesh and blood, as Paul says, our fight is also on a supernatural plane. Your willpower won't get the job done. It's the spiritual armor instead that Paul describes at the end of this passage that provides us confidence of victory. Your will, my will, is not a weapon feared by the devil. It's the spiritual weapons that Paul describes that we have to rely on. In verse 11, in verse 11, the instruction in how to defeat the enemy is clear. Put on the whole armor of God. In the original language, the verse literally says, put on the whole armor of God and keep it on. Did you catch Paul probably had a real good visual in terms of the analogy? He, he, he was writing at the end. He says, pray for me that I may proclaim the gospel even as I'm in chains. Most people think Ephesians was written from a jail cell and Paul was likely able to look and see a soldier right in front of him and, and he began to list out the various pieces of armor that the, that the soldier was wearing listed out on that graphic there. But Paul says, you know, this, this, this metal, this armor, this metal armor this soldier is wearing, eventually it will wear out. 
It's the spiritual armor, armor that will last. In this battle, there are no truces and there are no ceasefires. We're called to keep our armor on and to keep our guard up. Scripture says elsewhere that Satan is like a lion, seeking the one or the ones that he can devour. He doesn't take a day off, but but the enemy is not omnipotent. The enemy is not omnipresent. The enemy is not omniscient. He's not all-powerful. He cannot be everywhere, and neither does he know everything. However, however, the commander of our army is all of those things. The Bible says, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. God has given us this armor that Paul outlines in Ephesians that I'm not going to delve into individually. But it's a guarantee to repulse and repel even the most powerful missiles, the strongest bombs, the most uh, uh, mightiest torpedoes that Satan can fire. James 4, 7. And our battle is a great encouragement where it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. There are 66 books in Scripture 1,189 chapters, 23,145 verses. Thank you, Google. I did not spend the whole week counting them myself. You know what? Not a single one of them, not a single one of them in all of Scripture ever instructs a Christian to run from the devil. Did you catch that in that passage? Resist the devil and who flees not us and he will flee from you looking for someone else whose guard is not up whose armor is not on yes we are to flee temptation yes we are to flee sin but when we resist the devil he has no choice but to flee from us I'll wrap it up here Author Jeffrey Ward wrote a book entitled The Civil War, and he recounted a poignant moment in that book during the Battle of Gettysburg. As the various Union forces converged, General Grant noticed that many under his command kept talking about the great Confederate General Robert E. Lee and all that he was capable of. And after a little bit, Grant had had enough. He gathered his commanders and said, I am tired of hearing about Robert E. Lee. I want you to quit thinking about what he is going to do to you, and I want you to start thinking about what you are going to do to him. Now, I've probably, I've probably used up about all of the military examples I should use for a, a year. <laughs> but I want to remind you this morning that the war exists. That the war is real. But I like what Grant said. Don't concern yourself with what the devil could do to you. Think about instead what the Lord can do to the devil. And though we're in the heart and the heat of the battle, the outcome is assured, and this is a war we will win.